Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling 25-20. Got a block for Brock. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. With Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. On Instagram, IGJHood as we broadcast live. From our first Midwest Bank studio. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, AMs in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank account. First Midwest Bank. Bank with momentum. On the program tonight, we're going to hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN 1000 and ESPN.com. We'll get his thoughts from Bush Stadium as the Cubs get ready to take on the St. Louis Cardinals. Also, we'll give you one question. Sometimes people don't have time for like a full interview, but some people have time for at least one question. We'll have that for you coming up at 7.50. Also, Summer of Football. We celebrate the great game of football with the Summer of Football right here on ESPN 1000. We'll get a chance to talk to former Bear and Northwestern Wildcats color analyst Ted Albrecht. He'll be on the program coming up at 8.05. Also, Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. Also, if you're a wrestling fan... A half hour after SmackDown Live is over on the USA Network. We've got Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday for you. We do talk wrestling, sports entertainment with you every Tuesday at 9.30. And a great Chicago Bears fan and working now with Impact Wrestling is D'Lo Brown. He'll give us his thoughts about the Bears and also Impact Wrestling coming to the Chicagoland area coming up in October. We'll get into that at 9.30. All part of the mix right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Again, 312-332-ESPN. Hope that you enjoyed your Tuesday. Hope that you enjoy your Tuesday night. We're with you until 10 o'clock. Dennis Dan Levitar, Stu Gatz, and Greg Cody right here on ESPN 1000. Good to be back with you tonight. Last night I was uh, on the uh, Freddie Coleman Ian Fitzsimmons show doing a national program uh, yesterday. So good to be back with you here tonight. So we start off first with the Cubs, right? The Cubs take on the St. Louis Cardinals. is one of the great rivalries in sports, one of the great rivalries in Major League Baseball. And we turn to Jesse Rogers as we are on the eve of the train deadline in Major League Baseball. Jesse covers the Cubs for ESPN 1000 and ESPN.com. Let's get uh, Jesse's thoughts here as the Cubs in this, what I would consider a vital series with two teams staring at 56 and 49, fighting it out for the National League Central crown. Jesse, as always, I appreciate your time. Let's start off with the news that you broke 
on ESPN uh, 1000, and that is David Phelps. Tell us more about uh, what the Cubs have done uh, by picking up David Phelps. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. He only has 17 innings pitched this year because he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Haven't talked to Theo or Jed about him yet, only Joe. So my point being, their scouts must have seen enough that they traded a, a minor league pitcher for him, Thomas Hatch, a third-round pick a few years ago. Um, you know, to give him a role on a contending team, they must have seen enough in 17 innings. Now, I talked to Steve Ciszek, who played with Phelps in two different places. Madden knew of Phelps from the past as well, but they both admitted that was pre-Tommy John. Um, he, he was really good at getting lefties and righties out at that time. Real good on the cut inside uh, uh, towards lefties. And kind of uh, Ciszek said kind of like Carl Edwards when Carl Edwards was going well, I should right. say, Jay Hood, you know, he, he was able to cut inside, uh, cut that ball against lefties and be real dangerous. I think it's going to be a more traditional Phelps, like more righty on righty stuff, not necessarily getting all the tough lefties out. And like I said, it's only 17 innings pitch. So I still think we don't know exactly what the Cubs are getting, but he's not going to be asked to be the setup man or the seventh inning guy. I think he's going to be just another arm to use. Maybe when the top arms need a break, or in the sixth inning, um, and of course he could always grow in his role. So that's what they're getting here, a guy uh, just back from Tommy John, but enough innings under his belt that the Cubs you know, didn't wait and, and they went out and got him. Jesse, what's the latest on Cole Hamels? He's going to throw another bullpen tomorrow. I think he's going to pitch Saturday at Wrigley Field. I mean, unless something goes wrong, he they are going to activate him Saturday. Um, they need him. That would basically be two months of, of Cole Hamels after a month or so off. Um Good and bad in that. Uh, obviously, they, they sort of lost their lead in the division while he was out, but they're not that far out of it that they can't regain it, and now they get a fresher guy. Joe talks often about you know the, the one little silver lining of when guys go down, um, especially in a pitcher, it's not an arm injury. It's, it was his oblique. The arm can be fresh when he comes back, but, of course, you probably lost some games you would have won if Cole Hamels was in there. So, anyway, you take the benefit, um, bullpen tomorrow, and then uh, against Milwaukee, most likely Saturday they like starting lefties against Milwaukee, so Quintana's already Friday. He would be Saturday, so there's two at least against the Brewers. This uh, feels a lot different, obviously, from the last few years where Theo and Jed need to be able to place a player or two to try to get better. But I wonder how much stress and how much pressure is it with the injuries and trying to replace some of these bodies that have gone down because of IL. Yeah, they are. they are just trying to plug some holes. This isn't a... A deadline where they think Gliber Torres, Feraldis Chapman, we're there. We're in it. We're done, right? Mm-hmm. That's not one of these deadlines. First, I don't think there are many as many impact players available as there were in the past. And the ones that are, it sounds like, are starting pitchers, right? So, And the Cubs don't need that. So when you hear about Marcus Stroman or Noah Cinderella, well, that's not the, what the Cubs need. The Cubs need more of these, these back-end relievers or bench player or leadoff man. And I don't think there's a guy out there like J.D. Martinez was traded a few years ago that can make that big of a difference. So they're just going to plug the holes with different guys. And the thing is, they do have three or four holes to plug. They're doing it with the relievers, Derek Holland, David Phelps. Now they need to address it on the bench and at the plate. And I think they will. I think everyone's waiting for the Diamondbacks to get their 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 house in order and, and, and make some deals with them over the next 24 hours. So it's going to be quantity more than quality in filling holes, but it might work out well for them, Jay hood, because this is the year where they need quantity more than, than quality. You'd like both, 
but at least they'll be able to pick up some some bodies to fill some holes. Any rumors about what you could foresee for the Cubs here at the deadline tomorrow? Well, I've been sort of on the Diamondbacks, you know, uh, watch. Um, not that I mentioned Toronto earlier today to cap, and then they then they ended up doing one with them. So I'm not that surprised it was Toronto. I only I I, I think there's you know, several stated sellers: um, Miami, obviously, Seattle, Toronto, and I think the Diamondbacks are going to now go on the full sell mode uh, between now and the deadline. So to me, Jared Dyson makes some sense. I'm not saying it's 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 you know the answer, but again, you're just trying to be better today than you were yesterday. So a guy like Dyson would make sense. I could see that or the lefty Andrew Chafin from the Diamondbacks as well, because I don't know if they have enough depth. If one of their lefty relievers go down, they're really short. Uh, I like Holland and I like Ryan, but it may not be enough. So I, I say look at the Diamondbacks. Uh, one trade with them at least makes a lot of sense between now and tomorrow. Jesse, with all the question marks with the Cubs this season, I will say that in the month of July, Darvish has been uh, giving you quality. I think that he's kept the, the Cubs in the ball game four runs or less all throughout this month, has he not? He has, and he's providing exactly what the Cubs wanted. They Maybe they knew that he would have some moments where mentally he had to get over some hurdles, but physically – the swing and miss, the called third strikes, they knew that part of it was there. It took a while to come out, but now we're seeing it. We're seeing a lot of called third strikes, which tells me the stuff is nasty. When you are getting guys out inside the strike zone, whether that be swing or miss or them freezing and taking strike three, that tells me it's nasty. Now, when you're getting them to chase, that's also good. That's also good, but it's really nasty if they're swinging and missing at pitches inside the zone. So that's what's most been most impressive to me he's he doesn't need them to chase because his stuff is so good he's getting them out getting them out in the zone jesse lastly uh the cardinals or the brewers which team do you think is more dangerous for the cubs we just saw how the cubs played against the brewers losing two out of three and now here comes st louis so how do you see both teams against the cubs right you know i've been asked this a couple times over the last 24 hours so can i answer the opposite that way i won't be wrong sure you know what i mean (laughs) i've been saying I, i i until yesterday when I've been asked that question over the last two years, I've said Milwaukee, and I feel like I've been right. Milwaukee yes. has been the tougher out. And I would have said that until basically recently because Milwaukee's pitching staff is in shambles. Their starting staff is in shambles. I don't think they can fix it by tomorrow, and I just feel like that's going to catch up with them. There's only so much you can pl- you know, so much you can patch, and then you're going to use up Hader and all these guys in the bullpen, and that's probably going to go south on them. So – for the first time in two years, I guess I'm going to say the Cardinals by default. I don't love the Cardinals team. I, I don't. I don't love the Brewers anymore. I think I really, if you ask me a division winner, I'll, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. I'd say it is the Cubs still. Those blown leads late, I think, are going to turn for them in their favor. And a team like St. Louis might blow a few because they've, they're have they at the top of the league in that category, and I don't think they're going to stay there. So I, I, I guess I'm going with the Cubs are due theory. That's the narrative I'm spewing. They're due, and I think they're going to win some games, some tight ones that they've been losing. Then again, I've been critical of Joe. He's got to make sure he manages that bullpen correctly. But now he's got Holland. Now he's got David Phelps. He's got a few more toys to work with. So I think it is the Cardinals, but I do think the Cubs are going to win out. You do realize that we're going to cut up you on Ronji's show at ESPN St. Louis. You're going to say the opposite, right? You know you're going to say something different. <laughs> I'm going to say whatever can piss Ranji off. That's what I'm going to say. Like I'm going to call the city boring. I'm going to call him boring. 
Um, I guess there's a pu- it's it's public. He had a stalker. I'm going to make fun of. I guess somebody yes. was stalking him. Yeah, you heard about that? Yeah, I have. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I mean, who would st- who would want to be near him? Why would you want to stalk him? That's my. <laughs> That's I want to interview the stalker. <laughs> That's a great question. I, most people want to get away from him. That's just in, my, my my opinion. In St. Louis, so much stalk. Well, in St. Louis, he, he never got stalkers in Chicago, but he got it down there. That's for sure. I guess so. I guess it makes sense then. <laughs> Jesse, we look forward to your reports. Thanks so much, as always. You got it, Jay Hood. Take care. There he is, Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN 1000 and ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. Under the Hood with John the Hood weeknights at 7 right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hope that you're enjoying your Tuesday night as the Cubs get ready to take on St. Louis. Two teams, identical records, 56 and 49. And yes, it is that serious. Yes, it's a long season. And yes, it's the it's late July. But the point is, is that it... Uh, I don't see a path forward for the Cubs to have a long run if they make the playoffs based on the start and stop of this team. I just They're going to do what they can to patch up holes, as Jesse just told you, but it just doesn't feel it feel right, right? If you're concerned about the Cubs, you understand where I'm coming from, right? I mean, you watch this team, you see the core, but you realize the Cubs need more, and it's just... Uh, it's just not happening for this Cubs team. So we'll have reports at 7.30, 8.30, and 9.30, if applicable, from Jesse Rogers, from Bush Stadium as the Cubs get ready to take on the Cardinals. Let me switch gears here and talk about the Chicago Bears and the NFL in general. So when we look at the NFL offensively, there is no question that offense is ruling the day. We went through the quarterback tiers last week on the program. And there was the piece that was written by Mike Sando from TheAthletic.com. If you haven't seen that, go to TheAthletic.com, NFL section, look for Mike Sando's and the quarterback tiers. It's a great conversation for you to talk to your friends on social media or your friends that are into fantasy football or whatever about quarterback tiers because I think it's a great conversation on who's better, who's best when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFL. On that list, when I was looking at it, I remember Tom Brady was second on that list and Aaron Rodgers was first. And the reason why that um, the quarterback tiers were the way they were is because look at the NFL today. It is predicated on offenses that are vertical, up and down the field. Now, for me being a Gen Xer, growing up here on the south side and watching uh, the Chicago Bears, you know, like I know, if you're a diehard Bears fan, that good old number 34, Walter Payton, was the man. That's the guy there that he can run the football, he can throw the football if you ask him to do it, he can return punts. He can kick the ball. He can do everything. He was just an everyman. And the reason why he's in the Hall of Fame is because he was the heartbeat of the Chicago Bears. But during the time watching the NFL in the 80s and in the 90s, you realize that running the football was a big part of the offense where you didn't see the ball in the air so often like you see it right now. We see prolific offenses like Kansas City and New Orleans and and others that get the ball in the air so often. You realize if you take a look at running backs today in 2019, Todd Gurley might have had his best football with the Georgia Bulldogs, my favorite college football team. We may never see Todd Gurley play at a completely high level. He is a MVP, by the way. He had a league-high 21 touchdowns and didn't even play in the final two games, so he was tremendous. I don't know if we'll see better or worse from Gurley, but that is a, a... running back to watch for the Rams. Saquon Barkley for the Giants. We haven't seen the best of him just as of yet, and it gets worse for that offense for the Giants. 
Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going to stop right here with Ezekiel Elliott. So Zeke has been in the league. This will be his fourth year, but you know the story. Ezekiel Elliott is not available to the Cowboys. Training camps have opened up all across the country, and Ezekiel Elliott has gone to Cabo because he's got two years left on his contract and wants to bounce. Now, some thoughts from Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, the uh, owner and general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, was on CBS 11 in Dallas. Listen to what he says about Zeke Elliott. You don't have to have a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. But Emmitt was the first one to do it. And that's one of the dilemmas at running back is that the league knows that you can win Super Bowls and not have the Emmitt Smith back there or not have Zeke back there. Consequently, when we are looking and putting Zeke's contract in place, we've got to realize that the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl. And so you've got to do all of the things along with having Zeke that allow you to have other players so that you can win the Super Bowl. So when I heard that comment yesterday from CBS 11 in Dallas in the Metroplex, there's a couple of things that work here. And it relates to the Bears. I'll tell you in just a moment. What, what we're talking about here is Jerry Jones is playing chicken with Ezekiel Elliott, saying that pretty much we don't need you to be Emmett Smith. And if you don't come back, we already have some guys in place that can be able to take your place because he's pretty much saying you don't need an Emmett Smith. You don't need a, a down-in, down-out guy running the football for you every single down like it was in the 80s and in the 90s to be able to win offensively. They believe in the arm of Dak Prescott. They believe in the weapons that they have. And so Zeke is um, a luxury. That's how Jerry Jones put it. And I heard that comment and I thought, well, he's just not, he doesn't want to pay Todd Gurley money to Ezekiel Elliott. He doesn't want to pay through the nose for a guy that continues to find himself in trouble off the field. So, okay, so that's one point. But the other point that Jerry Jones makes is a salient one in that Ezekiel Elliott is like, I don't know, like Alvin Kamara, how strong he is with the Saints, Melvin Gordon, who's also holding out. Le'Veon Bell, who who stepped away from the Steelers and now with the Jets. Would you take a look at these running backs? These are not dynamic running backs that get it between the tackles and are able to really increase the chances for a team to win. You know what football is today because you watch like I do. It's getting the, having a quarterback that has the ability to nickel and dime it down the field or to be able to throw it long and be able to have a vertical passing game because the way defenses are tailored now, everything's a flag now on the defensive side of the football. So offenses have an opportunity to do so many things now that they can never do before. So what Jerry Jones is pretty much saying is that the running game is not necessarily essential, 100% essential for a team to win. Now, Old school me will tell you that, yes, you should have a running back because you just never know. This is not the fullback where you can say, okay, we don't need an extra blocking back back there. We don't need the short yardage fullback anymore. Hope Howard Griffin isn't listening. But you don't need that anymore, right? So, But I will not believe that you don't need a running back. You may not need a dynamic running back, but you still need someone to be able to run the football or the way running backs are used like Le'Veon Bell, like uh, Christian McCaffrey, like... Alvin McCamara, like Ezekiel Elliott, like Barkley, like Gurley, where he could throw the ball out into the flat for them to run. I don't know if they'll ever rename the, the, the name running back, but the way that we know running backs between the tackles is almost passe in today's NFL for some teams. 
uh, as we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Now, let me tie it into the Bears because Tariq Cohen is the number one guy running the football for the Chicago Bears. We're, we come from strong defenses and solid running backs traditionally with the Bears, right? Well, here's something new that I think we're going to watch because, as I've been saying all offseason, I was not happy that, they, that the Bears traded Jordan Howard because even though Howard does not have the hands clearly, as, as Davis told me, he dropped three passes in practice for the Eagles <laughs> already today. Uh, so he's having a hard time. That's just practice. I still believe in Jordan Howard's ability. But the bottom line is, is that the way offenses are now, you need your running back to be able to be an extra receiver, a safety valve um, for a, an offense. And so it's Tariq Cohen, it's David Montgomery. Those are two guys we keep our eyes on. Mike Davis on the on the depth chart. All I will say is this: is that in this offense, in a traditional sense, as we've seen so many for so many years, the you know the guy running between the tackles, the key running back. If that is different now on the, in this offense where Tariq Cohen is this gadget back that can be able to create space and get, get down the field, if Montgomery can do that, if whoever they got back there can do that, and, and it works, it's fine. But I still believe that at times in short yard situation or bad weather, you want to be able to have someone that can be able to move the chains. Uh, running, you know, Throwing the football is great. You want to do that as much, much as possible. But I also still believe in running the football some uh, as well. Hopefully Cohen... And Montgomery and Davis have that ability to do both for this Bears offense. If you let me put it this way, at this point in time, if you're relying on Trubisky to be Patrick Mahomes, uh, you'll be sadly mistaken. That's not who he is, and I don't I don't know if he'll ever be that. I don't know if that's a goal, but you have someone from the Kansas City system that wants Kansas City Chiefs type offense. Can the Bears do that? I mean, sometimes you've got to be able to conform to what used to work and mix it in with the new school. We'll see. Some thoughts now from um, Tariq Cohen. He was on the NFL Network. Um, the question was, is there enough balls uh, in the running back room? I feel like, you know, there's so many dogs on this team that, you know, it's going to make everybody hungrier. So if uh, David sees me getting the ball and I make a play, he's going to spread the energy to him. So then when he gets in and gets the rock, he's going to, you know, make a big play also. Same for Mike Davis. And then the same goes throughout the receiver room as well. Some thoughts now from David Montgomery. Uh, so he was asked also, what do you bring to the running back room? Really, uh, I think what I just add to this team, just a, just a, uh, another weapon, honestly. Um, you know, to, to be able to come in and help anywhere Coach Nagy or any team needs me, uh, whether it be uh, special teams to running the ball to kicking the ball, if that got to be the case. Yeah. But uh, I'm Hold just on, here you're to help. To kick? You're <laughs> <offering> <laughs> to kick? I'm, what? what? You brought that up. <laughs> I want to do. I want to do anything Coach Nagy needs me to do. So I'm, I'm down, and I'm just uh, buying into the process. He brings bring some gangster to the team. He run oh. the ball physical, so he he run the ball gangster. So you feel me? That's, that's, <laughs> that's what he brings to the I'm team. Talking. All right, so we'll see what Cohen and Montgomery bring. Again, Howard gets to be on this football team and run the football, but it's about hands as well in these uh, offenses that move up and down the field. You want the Bears to be a top five, top ten offense as predicated on Trubisky, the system, and the weapons for Trubisky. So it's this will be a very interesting season. This season will tell you all you need to know about Trubisky and what he can bring to this Bears team. All right, we'll have an update from Jesse from Bush Stadium on the Cubs and the Cardinals. And after that, we'll be able to talk about the biggest threat to the NFC North for the Bears. Who's the biggest threat to the Bears in the division? We tell you that coming up next. Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood. On 
ESPN 1000. You're listening to my mans and them. Just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. Right? Jay Hood. <laughs> on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. <laughs> Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. It's the Cubs. It's the Cardinals. Here's Jesse Rogers with a report. Jess? All right, Jay Hood. No score. Top of the second. A quick first inning for both teams at the plate. Is Adam Wainwright set down the Cubs in order on seven pitches. Really worked quickly in the top of the first. But you Darvish pretty good in the bottom of the first. Struck out two, including Jose Martinez looking with a 98-mile-per-hour fastball, his final pitch of the inning just froze Martinez. Also struck out Edmund to lead off the game. So he's looking good. Wainwright looking good as well. One out, top of the second, no score. Back to you. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad to have you with us here on this Tuesday night. In two hours, we will have Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. If you're a wrestling fan, make sure that they stay by their listening device and check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday every Tuesday at 9.35 here on ESPN 1000. Crazy Chicago Bears fan D'Lo Brown will be with us. He is a producer now with Impact Wrestling, longtime wrestler with the WWF at the time. So we'll hear from D'Lo coming up at 9.35, two hours from now here on ESPN 1000. Don't forget the podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, check out the Under the Hood podcast. Say, for instance, you're busy on weeknights between 7 and 10, right? You're not working you're out with the kids, you're doing stuff, but you never get a chance to check out the show or you miss some things from our program. We've got content, too. Don't tell management. We actually do have content, too, here on Under the Hood. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, wherever you download your podcast, look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, and uh, it'll go right into your device. That way you never miss an episode of our crazy program. Uh, so much to talk about here today. I don't know about you. I um, We're going to have summer football at the top of the hour. I am really looking forward to football season, college and pro, uh, because there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. From, from the Bears' standpoint, every time that someone asks me about the Bears, it could be somebody from ESPN Radio in Bristol. It could be people on social media. It could be friends of mine that are asking the question about the Bears. Like, so what do you think? Because we got a little taste, right? We got a little taste of what the Bears could have been last year. Cody Parkey missed the field goal, and the game in the season is over. So the question is, like, what could we expect this year? You know how this works, right? Sometimes when you win a division, sometimes when you're able to flourish, there's a little bit of a step back. It's natural in the NFL. You are going well, and all of a sudden there's an injury or two, or there's a little bit of a setback. I'm not wishing that for the Bears at all, because I understand, like you know, that you've got to catch lightning in the bottle. Once you have a team that is on the trajectory of doing something special, you want the arrow to continue to go up, right? So, I remember when we did our schedule show, you know, when the schedule first came out for the Bears and everybody else in the NFL, and I just, with the pen, just went win-loss, win-loss, win-loss without, you know, knowing what was going on um, with with the team, if there's ever going to be any injuries, any additions, who's going to get cut. So when the schedule came out, I just said 10-6. and 
when we went through the schedule. And 10 and 6 is still good enough to get you into the playoffs. I just thought maybe a couple other losses, a little bit of a setback here or there, some games that you don't expect to lose, uh, the Bears could lose. But um, I look at the storylines around the NFC North, and you can go into the archives of the Under the Hood podcast where, where we do our show, wherever you download your podcast. We did an NFC North preview, and we talked to uh, a Green Bay Packers person, a Lions person, a Vikings person on the broadcast, and, and we talked about some of the things that the Bears have to look out for. Like, for instance, with the, uh, with the Chicago Bears... You know, you, we see what this team's about. You want to see the offense get better with Trubisky. The defense seems set. Doesn't matter who's coaching it. The, the defense has Khalil Mack on it. The hell with everything else. Khalil Mack's on the team. Akeem Hicks is on the team. Kyle Fuller's on the team. Let's go. Uh, that's like you did last year. Let's keep it moving, right? With the Green Bay Packers, there's a new coach in place in Matt LaFleur. And LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have to be on the same page. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are similar in this regard. It does not matter who the weapons are for Rodgers. Rodgers will find a way. The only difference between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady is Brady's got the hardware. But they're both the same as far as, hey, you know what? I'm going to make sure that you get the ball where you need it. You make sure you make me look good, and, and it works out. And more times than not, it has worked out for Aaron Rodgers in the regular season. So so I'm, uh, there's some holes there with that Packers team, but you know Aaron Rodgers is the elixir to whatever the problem is. With the Minnesota Vikings, I thought the Vikings would make the Super Bowl last year. <clears throat> that didn't happen, right? So Kirk Cousins needed a little offensive line help. They did a little patchwork there. The defense has always been solid under Mike Zimmer, Chicago's own. And so the, the Vikings underachieved because uh, Cousins, with all his guaranteed money and everything else, wasn't good enough to get to the next level. Uh, and the Vikings were good enough, just could not get over the hump. And then there's the Lions. But I think that the, the biggest threat to the NFC North for this season, out of all the teams that the Bears have to face, the biggest threat is themselves. That's the biggest threat in the NFC North. And I thought that Dan Pompey wrote a great piece uh, on theathletic.com regarding some of the things that the Bears have to, to look at. It, he he kind of broke it down in a, a very good way. The piece is entitled, Can the Bears Defeat the One Enemy That Will Be With Them All Season? And, and so some of the things that he highlighted in the column is the defense has two legitimate game wreckers in Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack. A free safety in Eddie Jackson who can flip the field in an instant, just like that, and no soft spots in the starting lineup. On offense, playmakers abound like newcomer uh, David Montgomery and Cordell Patterson. Young players like James Daniels and Anthony Miller and Bilal Nichols and, and Roquan Smith have given uh, more than they've shown so far. Uh, the coaching staff ranks somewhere between capable and outstanding in every metric imaginable. So it's the enemy within. That's the piece that Pompey wrote, and he convinced me in his column today because it is true. There are circumstances you have to overcome within your own team. There's always this focus on, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers because he's the hammer and the bears of the nail. Oh, it's the Vikings because their defense is so strong. Uh, you know, Sometimes you just have to look at the bears in a different way. You and I look at the Bears differently, I think we should, versus other years. And here's the circumstances that are different. If you look at this depth chart, there isn't a lot of battles for, for camp, right? Has J.D. called in and talked about battles in camp outside of the kicker? 
I, I mean, the uh, the defense, we know the, the defensive strong players for this Bears team. Offensively, we know that there's no quarterback controversy. There's no running back controversy. It's to the point where at wide receiver, again, this is based on Trubisky and how the offense rolls, there might be a good wide receiver that will be cut from this team because they have a number of them. I'm not saying they're all, you know, they have a whole bunch of all pros, but what we're talking about is there are no controversies because it's an NFC North champion that's trying to defend their crown and try to get uh, past what they went through last year because of the kicker. So think about it. This is a different offseason. This is a different training camp than others that we've seen with the Bears because of what they have. I, I, I am reinforced in my Bears heart uh, about what they have versus what they don't have. Yeah, they don't have a kicker that they trust as, as of yet. That is key. There's no doubt. But when you can go into a camp, it is very rare over the years of me doing this, and, and there's no quarterback controversy. There's no controversy as far as coaching. There is no coaching hot seat. Is this the team that's on a roll? Can they have the sustained success? As we talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So on NFL Live, there was Mike Tannenbaum, former a general manager with the Jets, now part of ESPN. There's Adam Schefter, and there's John Fox, former Bears coach. And they talked about the NFC North and their favorites. Listen. Overreaction Monday. The Bears are favorites in the NFC North. Shefty. I like the Bears, but to say that they are the favorites, I wouldn't do that. There's one word in there I would just change, which is why this is an overreaction. The Bears are not the favorites. They're a favorite. The Vikings are awfully good with your quarterback, Kirk Cousins, their coach. <laughs> the Packers with Aaron Rodgers are always dangerous. And I think the Lions are very improved. So to me, the Bears could win that division. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But any of those four teams in that division are capable of winning. There's not a favorite. Well, there are, there's a bunch of favorites there. I also believe it is an overreaction. And we talked about coaching changes before. They lost an excellent coach in Vic Fangio, who's now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And I think Chuck Pagano is a very good coach. But to say that they're going to come back and be at the exact same level they were a year ago, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I like a lot, we've already talked about Minnesota, what they've done. And I think Green Bay, combination of Matt LaFleur with Aaron Rodgers, I think they're going to be explosive on offense. So while I think the Bears will be competitive and in the mix, I don't see them as the favorite in the North. I think it's an overreaction, too. I don't think they're the clear favorite, and I'll give you three reasons. Number one, they have a first-place schedule this year. They had a last-place schedule a year ago. Number two, two things that you can't duplicate in the National Football League, and that's health. They were the fifth healthiest team in the league out of 32 a year ago, and takeaways. They had 37 takeaways, and even though I know their defense is outstanding, they got great people character-wise and athletes, those takeaways are hard to duplicate, duplicate year to year. Since we have a clean sweep and we don't think they are the favorite, I know you said there's a multitude of favorites, but if you had to pick one who is the favorite... For you in the NFC? I, I, I wouldn't do it. Again, you I think just, they're, they're, all, they're there. all capable. It's not happening. I, I'm just saying they are all capable. By the way, at this time last year, when you said that the Bears were the favorites in the NFC North, you would not have said that. And they won the division. And that's what happens year in and year out in the NFL. There are always surprises, and I won't be surprised if there's another surprise NFC North winner. And, and for me, it's the Minnesota Vikings, because I think they built their team in a complimentary way. And I just remember being there last year. When they get the lead in that stadium with their pass rushers and Mike Zimmer's scheme, mm. they are going to be really hard to beat. They're getting Dalvin Cook back, who's had his own injury concerns. But 
Again, Kevin Stefanski embodies what Coach Zipper wants to do. I think they're With the Gary most... Kubiak and Rick Dennison, too. Yes, and I think they're the most complete team of all the four teams in that division. Yeah, see, I'm going to go Vikings as well. I know they're going to play defense. Uh, you know, obviously some teams are like the Chicago Bears that play defense in that division, but I'm going to like the leaps and bounds their offense takes this year under Gary Kubiak. You know, that West Coast outside zone scheme, uh, they'll run it to the Cows come home, and Dalvin Cook can run it as good as anybody. The thoughts there from John Fox. Boo! Don't like the Bears. Boo! John Fox, Adam Schefter, and Mike Tannenbaum love the Vikings. Time will tell on how that looks in the NFC North. Um, <laughs> you just can't take the Bears, huh? And, and one other thing, not, not, not just the schedule, but I, I, I'm better than Nagy. Let's also uh, let's point that out. I'm better than Nagy. Um, J.J. Stankovich from NBC Sports Chicago was on this program yesterday with Chris and Adam. They were sitting in for me. Uh, and, and here's something that's an um, interesting note regarding training camp. It says that Khalil Mack in the Bears' defense is making it very hard on Mitch Trubisky. Listen. The Bears probably need to give Khalil Mack a day off because he's ruining so many plays out there right now. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is amazing how, you know, last year during training camp he obviously wasn't here and we don't get to watch practice during the regular season. Now watching him practice, it's like, I mean, it, it's almost like now you really get it of why this guy is so good. Because he's just in there disrupting so many plays and, you know, wanting to get these sacks and blowing plays dead and all these things that Khalil Mack does. And uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty impressive thing to watch him go about it. Uh, I, I do think that a lot of what the Bears you know, you're seeing with Mitch Trubisky and some of the struggles maybe down here is because the Bears' defense is so good. Danny Trevathan uh, talked with us about it on Saturday where he said, look, like what, when Mitch goes out there against any other team, we want it to be easy for him. But right now we want to make it as hard as possible. So when he does go out there and he faces another defense that isn't as good as the Bears, it's going to be a little bit easier. So thoughts there from J.J. Stankovic from NBC Sports Chicago covers the Bears. And, yeah, he is <laughs> – the defense is making it hard on Trubisky because that defense is way ahead of the offense because this is where it comes down to. It's been like this traditionally, hasn't it? Strong defense and eh, offense. Hopefully the the offense can catch up with the defense at some point of this upcoming season, at least come close, right? Coming up, one question right here on UTH. You're listening to Jonathan Hood. I'm all in my bag, as hard as it gets. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You're listening to my mans and them. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Coming up after SportsCenter at 8.05, we'll hear from Ted Albrecht. Northwestern Wildcats color analyst on the radio side and also former Bear will get his thoughts on the Wildcats. Where will the Cats be? And also, is he in charge of uh, making sure that the Cats fans are off their phones for uh, Coach Fitz? We'll get to that coming up at 8.05. Tales from the Hood at 8.35 right here on ESPN 1000. Well, you know what we do, right? Every night at 7.50, we just look for someone. You know, some people just don't have time for a long-form sit-down conversation with me. But sometimes, sometimes... They have time for just um, one question. You guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. 
It's time for one question right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I told Sean, I said, go through your phone. I'll go through my phone. We got to find someone to just talk to us for just one question. I said, go through the A's. Go through the B's. Go through the C's. C A C B C. Uh, uh, uh. Right there. C L I N T O N. Clinton Yates, my guy from OTL on ESPN, an opinionist. Is with me, John the Hood, for one question here on ESPN 1000. CY, what's going on? What's going on, man? I have three statements to make off the rip. Number one, <laughs> that little piece of production that leads into this bit is tremendous. And number two, I literally dropped my phone in the toilet like 10 minutes ago, and I thought this wasn't going to happen, but we're good. Okay? <laughs> so I just want you to know that. All right, technology <laughs> saved us. And I forgot the third thing already, so that's that. <laughs> well, it's good to be able to talk to you through a rice bowl, apparently. Easy player. I didn't even use the right. It worked out. The with me, so we're good. <laughs> okay. Sir, are you ready for one question? Stay ready, player. What we got? Okay. Clinton Yates, the one question I have for you is this. What is uh, the one major change that you would make if you were a commissioner of Major League Baseball? Oh, you wanted to get me started. Let's do it. Okay. So, all right. The Atlantic League, for those of you who don't understand how minor league baseball works, it is an independent league that exists at about the A level. For those of you who don't know how professional baseball stats work, the big leagues are at the top. Triple A is below that. Double A is below that. A is below that. The independent leagues are not technically affiliated with Major League Baseball, but they are working in conjunction with them on a couple rule changes to try to, I don't know, what would you call it? Bruce up the game, Hood? Yes. Bruce up the game. And one of those rule changes is the big one that people can't stop talking about, which is robot umps. People can't really deal with the fact that the humans are not really in control of all the strikes calls, which I understand is a big thing. But for me, there is another one. That one is the stealing of first base. And, like, for a lot of people, it sounds kind of, I don't know, it sounds kind of weird. It sounds kind of gimmicky because I don't think people really apply their thought on a baseball level to what it could mean to the game. But here's how it works. The third strike drop ball rule basically then applies to every single pitch. And the reason why it matters, the reason why I would change this if I was commissioner of the MLB is because it adds an element of strategy, it adds an element of athleticism, and frankly, it adds some fun. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, if you can't connect between the pitcher and the catcher, there might be a price to pay. And on the other side, it's not completely advantageous to those at the plate. If you take the bat out of your own hands and decide to run, that might not might not be the right decision anyway. And for those of you who don't understand, as a big baseball guy, my favorite part of the game is base running. If you can add excitement to base running, you are doing good things for baseball. Stealing first base, in my opinion, exists within the internal logic of how the rules of the game already work. And if you extend it, you're going to get a more exciting game. That's what I would change. That, that is awesome, man. You know what? Your phone doesn't even sound like it was in a toilet. That was really good. Hey, man, look, again, the force is with me, all right? <laughs> get our night trick. Are operational right now. <laughs> and that, my friends, is one question. I tried to show You're listening to my mans in them. Jay Hood. Yep. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I tried to show And the ESPN app. Yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. Young Flame here in sickle mode. <laughs>